Jesus speaking. He says, I will ask my Father, and he will give you another comforter who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. This is the night before Jesus, actually the night that Jesus is betrayed and taken away by some Roman soldiers. That very night, Jesus is with his 12 close disciples and friends. He looks at his disciples and he says, I'm going to leave you. I'm going away. Turn me down a little bit. I'm a little bit loud. I'm going away, but I'm going to give you another helper, comforter. Somebody else I'm going to send to you. Somebody like me, but he's not me, somebody just like me, he's going to comfort you, encourage you, help you. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you say me. Say I. Say me. Say me. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. This is Jesus speaking of later from that point, not later from this point right now. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. These 12 promises we looked at last week. We talked about 12 promises for 2012. And I want to briefly, for the next 12 weeks, briefly in each week, look at those promises. That's one of our problems as Christians is that we look too much at our promises to God and not enough at His promises to us. And when we focus so much on God's promises on, oh, sorry, when we focus so much on our promises to God, what begins to happen is we begin to see that our promises fail. And when we realize that our promises fail, we begin to beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves and get frustrated with ourselves. When I make a promise that I'm going to every single day read my Bible, and then I don't read my Bible, then I begin to lose confidence. I begin to lose assurance. And I begin to question, maybe God's mad at me now because I told him I was going to do it, but I didn't do it. I begin to beat myself up. God never asked you to make promises to Him. God asked you to believe His promises that He made to you. Christianity is not about God, about us trying to get God to believe our promises to Him. Christianity is about us believing the promises that God has given to us. See, God's trying to get you to believe His promises, and you're trying to get God to believe your promises. So I want to take time to remind you of promises, to 
remind you of what God has said and is true, what is sure to encourage you. Some of these things and most of these things you already know, but I'm reminding you to encourage you. So last week we talked about 12, but tonight I want to talk about one. The first promise that I want to look at tonight is that he is always with us. If you want to sit, you can sit. Don't feel like you have to stand, you can sit. But he is always with us. How often is he with us? How often? He is always with us. A lot of times as Christians, we get get caught up in... This, this passion, this desire to try to get God to come to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we'll pray prayers. Like, God, I hope you meet me tonight. And I hope that you show up at this thing. And, and, I, and I think God understands our heart that we want to experience him and we want to encounter him and we want to see him and we want to feel him. And those things aren't wrong. It's not wrong to want to feel God. It's not wrong to want to experience God. It's not wrong to want to taste and touch God. That's not wrong. But I think it might be better for us to look at what God is already doing and that he is already here and that he's already with us and set our mind more on that and less on trying to get God to do something for us. So we have some very basic promises. See, the problem is that we, again, have lost sight of his promises and set our focus more on what we want to try to get out of God and not looking at what he's already said he's given to us in the Bible. intentionally given to us for each of our specific human needs. Each promise that God promises you, each truth that God promises you was given and was promised for your individual specific need. Each of your individual human needs. You have human needs. You're a human and there's specific emotional and spiritual and physical needs that you have. And Jesus, the Bible says, fulfills and completes us. That when we put our faith in the Jesus, he actually meets every single one of those needs. This is a really good gospel. This gospel, we believe, it doesn't just say that you're saved and you're forgiven. This gospel teaches that when you put your faith in Jesus, you may not feel like you're complete in Him, but you are complete in Him. So we have needs, and one of our needs is for relationship. One of our needs is we naturally are lonely. We feel alone. We feel insecure. We feel empty. 
naturally, and we feel void. Those are one and the same word, empty and void, but I use it again anyways. Anybody know what it feels like to be lonely? God made you lonely. He made you in such a way that if you didn't have authentic, real, and genuine relationship with humans and with Him, you would feel lonely. He put that need in your heart so that it would drive you to be in relationship with Him and that it would drive you to be in relationship with other people. If I never felt lonely, I would never want to hang out with people at Moose's Tooth. I'd go there by myself. If I never felt lonely, I would go watch a movie at Century 16 by myself. But I have inside of me, in the makeup of my DNA, there is built within me a feeling that I have called loneliness. That if it is not met... I will do everything I can to fill it. And some of you are so lonely in this room, you've become apathetic. And when things hurt, and when you are really lonely, you just say, ah, oh, whatever, this is how life is, you know? And you stop feeling. And you, you leave yourself, and you begin to give yourself things that were not made to fill that need. Some will give themselves as women, as girls, to the attention of another man because they're so lonely. They're desperate for that man, that boy, to fill the need in their heart of feeling lonely. And that, no matter how amazing he is, will never fill the void and the need of your heart for intimate and raw and authentic relationship. Another man can never fully do that to you, young woman. Never. I never will and never can meet every need of my wife's heart, and I don't even expect to, and she doesn't expect me to. There is an end to myself. And men, boys, some of your boys, some of your men, but you too, you too have a deep need and craving and longing in your heart to be noticed, to be in relationship, to be heard, to be known. And you, one of the things you turn to is to be noticed and to be heard and to be seen by that girl. And I'm telling you truth tonight. She will never and can never meet that need your heart. There is a need she can meet in the context of marriage that is very beautiful. And the same it is from a girl to a man. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, there is something very beautiful about marriage. You go, we go to so many different things, so many different sources to fill and meet that need of feeling alone. The gospel is like it is. It's the gospel. The 
gospel is a word that simply takes two words and puts it into one. The gospel means good news. So when Jesus chose to save you, he didn't just give you some flippant promises that meant nothing to you. When he saved you and when he called you, he actually gave you promises that met every need of your heart. And one of those promises is what we just read in John 14. And we find here in 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 says, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. Verse 15 says, all who confess, say all. Okay, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. If you've confessed and said and called Jesus Christ as Lord and God, if you've said that, the Bible says that the Spirit of God, the one who formed and fashioned and was part of the forming and fashioning of all of creation, lives inside of your body. Romans chapter 8 says that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Now as I say that simple yet profound truth to you, you might look at me and think and say to yourself, that's a good fact, but I don't feel like it. So either A, you may not have actually confessed and believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, or B, if you have confessed that Jesus is Lord and God, then the problem is not that that isn't true, the problem is that you're living based out of your feelings and not based out of what is true. So again, if you have said that Jesus Christ is Lord and God, the truth is He lives in you. Are you hearing me? The truth is He lives inside of you. And at some times you become more aware to Him living in you than other times. Sometimes you feel Him. But just because you feel him doesn't mean that he's there more powerfully. And just because you don't feel him doesn't mean that he's not there. We either live out of truth or out of what feels. Either live by truth or by feelings. You can either choose to live based on what you feel or based off what is true. And I'm telling you that which is true. What is true? is really good I'm telling you really good news Jesus by his spirit lives inside of your physical mortal body he lives in you the Bible uses the word dwell which means to abide which means to remain which means he stays inside of your body now, from your place of loneliness, you can either say to yourself, God, please come. I hope you come and meet my need. And I'm just desperate for you, Lord. I need you to help me. And, or we can choose to believe that he is with us. And in that faith, that he is with us because he promised it, we find fulfillment.
and we find satisfaction. You can either beg something for God and from God that you already have, or you can believe that you already have from God that He promised you. You follow me? It's absurd. It's absurd of us to ask something from somebody that we already have. Wouldn't that be weird? I mean, if I had something, say this water bottle, and I looked at Justin and said, Justin, Justin Brady, can I please have my water bottle? I don't even know what he would think to himself. He might, for five seconds, look at me like I'm an idiot. And then say, what do you mean? And then I'll say, well, in a poetic way, from the depth of my soul, brother, I want this water bottle. You look at me again, confused, and maybe even frustrated at this point. Brother, from the depth of my soul, you have your water bottle. For the next 15 minutes, we would probably argue with each other about who really has the water bottle until he convinced me of the fact that I have it. And all he would lead me to do is go, okay, now just drink it, brother. Your soul will be quenched. But see, that's how our relationship sometimes with God looks like problem is not that God hasn't blessed us with the water bottle. The problem is that we don't realize that we have the water bottle. You might look at me like, really, is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. From Genesis to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, over and over and over again, the people of God kept forgetting all that God had done for them. They just kept forgetting how, how, many, how often do you forget things in your life? I mean, I forget things all the time. I mean, I lose my keys, like, all the time. Well, I've lost them left. I, I've, I've lost them less lately. But I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to get a beeper on my keys. So all I need is a little device. So if I lose my keys... And all I got to do is push the beeper and I can hear it beep. But then I thought, what if I lose the device, the controller that makes it beep? This is insanity. I'm doomed. So I just relied on myself and I have no beeper on my keys. I just hope that I don't lose them. But sadly, we forget things. And sadly, we try to be more poetic with God as if he's going to give us something because we asked him in a beautiful way. He ain't. He already has given you the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He dwells in you. He abides in you. When you feel lonely, hold on to that truth. 
that promise. He's with you. He is your comforter. That he is your counselor. That he listens to you. That he knows you perfectly. That he hears your heart and he can sympathize with you. He is your encourager. I encourage you not to try to get God to fill you with his spirit. I encourage you to believe that God has filled you with the spirit. And you'll do yourself better. You'll live a more full life. You'll live a life full more of joy, peace, etc., etc. Hebrews 13 says, He himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. There's a promise that us as individuals, say me, say me, say I, say, say, self, individual. You as an individual have this promise that God is always living inside of you as an individual. That's a good promise. But there's another promise. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says it, for where two or three or more are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, obviously, if he's always with us, of course he's going to be there, right? I mean, if he said he's always with us, why would you tell them when we're together he's with us? The reason is because God is with us in a special way when we're together than when we're alone. You as an individual are God's house. But more importantly, and it's used more in the Bible, you as a people, us, we, say we. Say we. Not me, we. Say we. We as a people. You say that word ten times, like that's kind of a weird word. We as a people are God's home. God lives in us. We have another promise. Then we come together, God expresses himself and reveals himself in a way that he doesn't do when you are alone. It's unique, it's special. That's why we long to be with each other, with the Lord. Let me say it this way. You are a part and member of the body of, of Christ. You are a part and a member of the house of God. You are, as an individual, just a part. And we, as a collective group, are just a part of the universal, invisible body of Christ. And if I want to experience all of Christ, I can't experience all of Christ by myself in my closet. Because if I'm just a finger of Christ, I need to know the other fingers, Christ. And as we come together and share relationship with each other, we experience measures and expressions of Christ that 
we cannot experience when we're by ourselves with Jesus. Both are important. Both are promises. God is with us when we are alone, but he's with us in a special way. And he expresses himself more fully when we're together in his name. And his name is important. And his name means I'm not just playing video games or talking about who is going to lose the Super Bowl or what my grade on the test was last week. Those things are not necessarily wrong to talk about. I'm not saying those are wrong to talk about. Those things are fine. But in his name means in his character, in his will. That when we come together and we actually are in his heart and in his will and walking according to him, loving each other, God shows up in a special way. So there, promise number one. 2012. 2012 should be a year of not trying to get more things in God. 2012 should be a year of recognizing all that you have in God. 2012 shouldn't be a year of looking for more promises outside of the Bible from God. 2012 should be a year of looking for all of the promises of God in the Bible. And so should 2013 and 2014 and 2015. Our life should be a life of looking at all the promises of God that are found in Jesus. And if we do that, if we choose to put our faith in that and believe that, the expression of that is peace, joy, love, self-control, patience. You want, you want patience? Put your faith trust and that God is always with you and if you know he's always with you he'll comfort you and strengthen you to give you motivation to choose to be patient when you need to be patient to choose to persevere through a tough time love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and perseverance these are all promises from God to us if we, by faith, look to Jesus. My question to you is, do you believe this? It's a rhetorical question. I can tell if you believe it or not by if your day is going bad, do you react to circumstances? Do you respond to the truth that Jesus is in you? Because if you respond to the truth that Jesus is in you by his spirit, you will have joy and peace. And love. But if you react to your circumstances, you'll only be frustrated. Right? See, if I stub my toe and get a flat tire and run out of gas and get late to school and get home, my mom or my 
roommate tells me I have to clean the house. I can either choose in that circumstance, in that day, to live by the events and the circumstances of that day, live from them, and choose to live from the truth, the eternal truth, that God lives in me. Listen, this truth and promise is so important. Because this promise that God gave his spirit, as we just sang, we'll sing it here again in a minute. God gave his spirit to us. He poured out his spirit in us. It's so important. Because it solidifies and it secures your salvation. If you have God living in you, it's a guarantee that you will be with God forever. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. Friends, our inheritance is eternal life now with God and after this life with God. Bible says if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, it's a guarantee. And if you didn't know you had the Holy Spirit living in you, I can tell you right now, if you do, very simple. If you believe that Jesus Christ is and was God, that he came to earth and he bore your sin, and that the sin of all whom God would call were put on him and put on his shoulders, he died, not because he healed people necessarily, but because he called himself God. He died. He physically died. His heart died. He went to a tomb, and three days later, he came out. The Bible and the scriptures gives us three different ways that Jesus came out. Jesus, in John 10, says that he took himself out, that he will take his life up again. In Ephesians chapter 1, 18 and 19, it says that the Holy Spirit took him out. In Romans chapter 8, it says that the Father, God, took him out. You believe that Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, bore your sin, died on a cross, went to the tomb, came out again, showed himself to over 500 men. True God, he's in your history books. I don't care if you're in a secular school or a Christian school. He really did live, and he really died, and he really came alive, and 500 plus people saw him. And then a bunch of them saw him go up into the skies, and he said, I'm coming back. If you believe that, you did not believe that by happenstance. You did not believe that because your parents may have taught you rightly enough to believe that. You believe that simply because God has opened your heart and opened your mind by his spirit to see that and to believe that. This is not because you're a good person. This is because God is a good God and has chosen you, has called you out by name and chosen to reveal to you that he is good and that he is God. If you believe that, that is truth and that is a testimony. He is living in you. Amen. Amen. Man, if you go home 
Maybe you see your parents tonight. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a college student. You don't live with your parents. Maybe your parents are out of town. But tell somebody that you're reminded of a truth. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he's always with you. And he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. The devil can't snatch you out of his hand. The devil can't snatch the Spirit of God out of your heart. It's secure. It's done. It's sure. The only way that it could be undone, that I can find the entire Bible, is if you renounce and say, Jesus Christ, I am done with you and I don't want you anymore. And even then, it seems pretty certain that God, even in that, is merciful. You would have to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ, say that he was not God, and curse him. And if your heart went that far, I don't believe you're even saved. I'm trying to encourage you, you are a child of God. Would you stand with me? Stand up with me. yourself and encouraging yourself and thanking God for what he has done. And it's at the same time, I want to encourage you that after this, after this song, we're going to break up the groups of two. One with one. I learned this reading my son's book this morning. We're learning numbers one through five. And uh, two means you get one and I get one speak in the context of cookies. So, groups of two, guys, guys, girls with girls, and get together, talk about this promise, talk about your loneliness, talk about your need and your insecurity, talk about how this is such a good promise, and be honest, if you believe it or not, share hearts with each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, listen to each other. We're going to do that the rest of the night. So we're going to sing this song, we're going to worship God, we're going to remind ourselves, we're going to thank Him, okay, and then we're going to break up the groups of two right after that. Sound good? And you can do it even during this song, you don't have to wait until the end of the song. If you already have somebody on your mind that you want to sit down and talk with, you can do that right now. Well, let's pray, let's sing, and let's break up the groups. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, we love you because you love us. I thank you, Lord, so much that you have poured out your spirit in our heart. God, I ask right now by your spirit, that same spirit that lives in us and is here with us, your spirit, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You would open our eyes to see and to understand you more clearly, more perfectly, that we would know power that lives, dwells within us. You would encourage us, Lord, all of us in our faith, strengthen us in our faith, secure us in our hope of eternal life with you. God, that you would rebuke the devourer and the liar who come to steal, to kill, and destroy. God, that your truth would prevail. You would lead us and guide us into what is true. 
You cause us to be strong and solidified on these things. Help us to be honest, Holy Spirit. Help us to be honest with who we are and with who we're not. In Jesus' name.